I'm so glad you're here. We're starting this brand new message series today, and I hope it doesn't uh, turn anybody off. I hope it's not weird for anybody because it's not a marriage uh, message series, very intentionally so. This is not about uh, love and marriage in that point. This is about relationships. I'm not going to talk to you about your sex life. You're welcome. Uh, if you want to talk, we could do that kind of one-on-one. We could do that in a different type of setting than that, but uh, I'm not going to do that uh, in here. Uh, I'm not going to talk about, I'm actually not even in this particular series going to address um, the marriage in the Bible uh, because there's some pretty strange stuff that happens, especially if we look through the, the scope of the old. It usually involves the exchange of like 100 foreskins for someone's 13-year-old daughter who has no say in the deal whatsoever. Uh, and so we're not going to tell that story. Actually, we might tell that story. It's a pretty interesting story later on uh, in, the, in the message series. Uh, but, but mostly we're not talking about that. We're talking about the relationships in your life that matter the most to you. Now, if you're married, obviously that's one of those relationships. Uh, I am married. I love this institution that I'm a part of in my marriage, and I love my family, and so um, I'm going to tell those kinds of stories and share from that, and Megan is actually going to come and share a little bit with me uh, towards the end of this, and and, uh, so if at any point it's like you said it wasn't going to be about marriage, and then it was about marriage, I just please accept our apologies for that and find a way to apply it to your most important relationships. Find a way to apply it because marriage isn't the only important relationship in anybody's life. Now, it may be your, your second most important relationship next to your relationship with God in your life. Or you might say like, yeah, my, my marriage is extremely important to me. So is my relationship with my kids. So is my relationship with my parents. So is my relationship with my best friend. So is my, or you might just say, like, marriage isn't for me. And if that's you, you're like, well, you're in good company because it wasn't for Jesus either. He didn't get married. The Apostle Paul didn't get married. In fact, the Apostle Paul said about marriage, um, really it would be best in terms of your relationship with God if you never got married, but if you can't keep your hands off of each other because you're so lustful, then go ahead and get married, which is ironically the verse that Megan shared uh, at my at our wedding uh, as part of our vows, she she read that one, uh, quoted that as. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, these three weeks are designed to help you get the most of the relationships that matter the most to you. Right? Does that make sense? That's what this is about. So, if you have any relationships that matter to you, I think this is going to be for you. These three weeks are designed to help you get the most out of the relationships that matter the most. You up for that? You have some relationships that matter to you? You have some stuff that's important to you? Um, you can text in questions today. By the way, we are only doing texted in questions for this particular message series. A lot of times we kind of open up to the room. I don't want to leave space for any husbands to say like, well, let's talk about what, uh, what a wife should do with their wife sitting next to it. Like, and right. So just, just not go there. We're going to screen questions, uh, in terms of like text them in please. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll, uh, we'll leave some space at the end to address those. Now, um, From what I can tell, there are three major temptations uh, that we're all kind of, we all could potentially fall into uh, in terms of our relationships, especially the relationships that matter the most to us. They are best displayed, I think, in the three temptations of Christ. These temptations in Matthew chapter 4 are really a blueprint, just a great 
depiction of, um, of every area of our lives. And so we're going to apply those to our relationships for the next three weeks. And today we'll talk about the first temptation of Christ and next week, the second one and next week, the third one and how these can kind of, uh, how we could learn from these temptations, resist these temptations, uh, for the good of our relationships. Good morning, Mac. How are you? That's my little baby boy back there saying hello. Uh, this is when he starts to come to life. Um, risen churches that we're, we're a a family church. You usually hear some babies around here, some kids around here. Uh, probably just that one today. Looking around the room. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. If you want to follow along, we'll put these verses up on the screen for you. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's just been baptized. He's about to start his public ministry. And before he starts his public ministry, Jesus wants to establish some things in terms of his relationship with his heavenly Father, his most important relationship, right? He wants to uh, set some things in stone, and so he decides to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. And he goes out into the wilderness, led there by the Holy Spirit. And for our purposes today, I think it's important to see that Jesus has come to the wilderness to accomplish something very specific in terms of preparation and and connection to his most important relationship, to his heavenly father's, his relationship with his heavenly father. What he's doing is specific and profound and difficult and important. He's come to deepen his connection with God. And that's that's a big, that is the big reason he's out here. We're going to talk about big things and small things today. For Jesus, the big reason that he went to the wilderness is to connect with his heavenly father. The big reason is to come out there to fast and to pray and to establish something profound between him and his heavenly father. Verse three. So that's the big thing, right? It's a huge thing for for Jesus to do. And then in verse three, it says, um, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. It's the devil. So it probably sounded like, if you are the son of God, tell these, right? Um, Tell these stones to become, to be turned into loaves of bread. Now that does not really seem like a very bad temptation, does it? I mean, you don't, even if, even if I said it in the devil's voice, it still doesn't sound so bad. It's like, make bread. Like, okay, that's not, you know, that doesn't really fit the exorcist kind of thing that I have in mind. But, but remember, what's the big reason that Jesus is out here? The big reason that he came to the wilderness is to fast and to pray and to connect with his heavenly father. And so the temptation that's laid before him is kind of a small thing. Like, stop your fast. Like, quit this. A small thing. Turn some stones into loaves of bread. I'm, I'm not even sure that would be wrong. Is that, is that bad of me to say? Well, Drew, it sounds wrong if you say it in the devil's voice and then you say, okay, I'll do whatever that devil's voice says. It does sound, but I don't know. I don't know because Jesus did make food in other places where there was no food. He did make wine where there was no wine. He did make things like that to provide for people. He is hungry. He is out in the desert. I don't know if that's even a... It's just such a small little thing, not even a sinful thing. It's not even really a question of right or wrong. It's a question of, what did you come to the wilderness to do? It's a question of, what is the big thing? What's the important thing here? And does this threaten it a little bit? Does that make sense? Trade that big connection with God for this small loaf of bread. Verse 4. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, 
They must also have peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> they do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus says, I know you're tempting me to do a small thing here. I know it's not even a question of right or wrong. I know we're not even, it's just such, but I came out here for a big reason. I came to this wilderness for a big reason. I came to establish a connection between me and my heavenly father. And what you are suggesting, although it's not a big deal, although it's not a question of right or wrong, although threatens that. It does get in the way of that. And so Jesus resists this temptation. So Jesus, of course, he spots the temptation for what it is. He turns it down, and we'll get back to Jesus next week and the next temptation that he sees. But, but there's, a, there's an incredible lesson, I think, for us concerning the types of temptation that we will face in our lives. And, and you could take this to your relationship with God. I absolutely encourage that. Our kids today are actually talking about this in, in that uh, in those terms about how you can establish these, these disciplines and these things in your life to essentially say, I'm going to do this because I want my connection with my Heavenly Father to be strong. That will strengthen all of your relationships, I promise. Uh, but today we're going to look at how we can learn from this temptation and how this temptation is, is still kind of the same trick that the devil likes to pull on us in our most important relationships. Uh, so, temptation number one. This is today's message, and I think this is in your sermon notes. I can't remember what's exactly in your sermon notes. Uh, but temptation number one is to allow small things to mess up big things. Has anybody ever let that happen in a relationship? Has that ever happened in your marriage? <laughs> Have you ever... Have you ever found yourself deep in the throes of an argument with somebody that you care about and, and massive stuff is being unearthed, right? Big things, chairs are flying, right? There's just, there, there is so much happening in this argument. And somewhere in the middle of this argument, somewhere in the, in the, in the deepest depths of this, in the darkest place of this argument, you happen to remember that you don't remember <laughs> why you're arguing. Has that happened to anybody else? Have you ever been in, a, in an argument where everything feels so huge and so big and there's so much being threatened and, there's, and it feels like, I don't even know if we're compatible anymore. I don't even know if we can be in this friendship anymore. I don't even know if we can be roommates anymore. I don't even know if we can be married anymore. I don't even know if we can be mother and daughter anymore. I don't even know if this thing is going to work anymore, if we're going to have another conversation after this. And then you think like, and I don't even remember what this was about. I don't even remember where this got started. It was something so incredibly small and insignificant. Does that happen to anybody? Me neither. Good. But apparently it has happened to some people in some places. Uh, and so maybe it could happen to us if we ever, you know, all, any of us ever fell off our high horses and, uh, and got to down into the muck and mire of, of what could happen. Um, anyone who knows Megan and I and, uh, maybe knows that, I'm going to find a good way to say this, all right? <laughs> she, I, I think of time as numbers, you know, mathematic, precise, right? A matter of correct and incorrect, right? When it comes to time, like what, what time is it, right? Pre yeah, come on. Uh, <laughs> I have this concept, like if it's that 10 a.m. means like 10 a.m. Um, 
And Megan is a little more Caribbean uh, in her understanding. Of I don't know how else to say it other than she's, she's a bit of a hippie uh, whenever it comes to this particular aspect of things, this particular uh, part of life. She, uh, as much as we, as we joke around about this, as much as we, as we kind of have this relationship with, with how, mm, how funny it is that we used to argue about these, these arguments that we used to have were a really big deal. Right? We used to have issues. And I'm not even saying that it's over. I'm saying, like, sometimes this still happens. Uh, not, obviously, never on a Sunday, because that's God's day. Um, but on some days, whenever it's less God's day, uh, we, <laughs> we still go back to this tiny little thing of, of, of um, me thinking of time in one way, the right way, uh, and her <laughs> thinking of time in another way, uh, and it has caused some really serious... Do you have things like this in your, in your marriage, in your most important relationship? Do you have little things that you're kind of just like, every time that comes up, it's an argument? Every time, we, every time it's, we're trying to decide where we're going to go eat... It's an argument. I don't care where we're going to get. Okay, well, let's go to Blaze. I don't want Blaze. Is that anybody? Uh, right? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't care. We just go wherever. I don't, that, it, every time these things come up, and, and it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is. It doesn't, every important relationship in your life has these small little things that attempt to wedge themselves in to threaten the really big and really important things. For us, the time thing was such a small thing, especially considering for much of our marriage, we've had two cars. If you want to come up and, and start, she wants to defend herself, people. Um, <laughs> let's get this going. We're going to need a moderator. Cameron, you ready? Get you a, can- get you a microphone too. Um, <laughs> especially whenever you consider how small of a thing this is. Do you want a stool? You feel like you might want to sit? You feel good? This is Megan, people. Um, this is a, uh, considering for most of our marriage, we've had two cars, you know? So, like, we, we've had this argument over, like, I want to be there at one time, and she wants to be there at another time, and we have this huge argument. We show up to the party, and we're both ticked off at each other the entire time, and we could have just drove separately. Like, there's, so, there's always been this really, really simple solution for things. But I kind of want to talk about a couple of things here. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Um, let, me, let me share this statement first. Do you have anything you want to say up front? Yeah, yeah get into yeah. it. Uh, well, going back to the car thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have two cars. But sometimes it's nice just to ride together. And so just to defend myself, I guess, um, I don't know, like if, if the event starts at, let's say, 9 o'clock, okay, about 9 o'clock, not exactly <laughs> 9 o'clock, but, you know, it starts at 9 o'clock, I am, like, rushing around the house trying to get everybody ready, because, I mean, no offense, but I have four people to get ready, <laughs> he has one. Look at you people nodding, okay. <laughs> look at the nodding now, in this. Now, he will help, if I ask him to help, he will help at any point, but just, you know, so I'm rushing around trying to get everybody ready out the door, and it starts at about 9 o'clock. So we leave at like 8.59, okay? And, and if I hear anything, like I, I already know, like I know it's 8.58, and I know if I get in that car at 8.59 and he says anything about us being late, 
I'm going to start throwing things out the window so the police pull us over <laughs> so we're even later. <laughs> and I'm, you know, and she's doing and that. And I'm sitting in the car at 844, and I'm muttering under my breath, if she's not out here by 845, I'm leaving, and I might not come back. Right? That's, <laughs> so we have this, this thing that, that happens uh, for us. Uh, the temptation to allow small things to mess up big things isn't exactly a temptation that leads to logical and civil resolutions, right? That's the, that's the reality. The temptation to allow small things to mess up big things is not a temptation that leads us to be logical or civil. It leads us to that. It leads us to that moment of like, if he says a thing about how late we are, and, and me, like, if she doesn't get in the car. Now, is that lot Is that? Is that the, the vow that we took? Is that what you want for your most important relationships, the people that you would consider to be your best friends? Those moments where you're like, I mean, it's like 15. It's kind of a small thing, but, but this, this wedges its way in. Let's, uh, let, let's consider a couple of things here and get into the sermon notes. So if you find yourself in the throes of one of these arguments or disagreements, if it ever happens to you, I know it's never happened to you before. You've never been petty people who get in arguments over small little things like we used to back when we were super immature and this was not an issue for us, right? If that happens for you, what do you do? Are you interested in that kind of information? Would you like, what can we do about that? Because, you know, it might happen one day. It might happen to us at some point. What do you do when you realize that you're being tempted to let a small thing mess up a really big thing that matters a great deal to you? What do you do whenever you realize that a small little argument, a small little character flaw or trait or or whatever, a small little aspect of your personality is threatening the huge and important thing that is your most important relationships. Here's what I would say. Here's what we can do when you are the one who is right. Now, the first, uh, first blank sermon notes. What do you do when you're the one who's right, right? When it's a small thing uh, that, that's tempting you to mess up the big thing, what do you do when you're the one who's right? Megan, I'll take this one. I'm just kidding. Speak your mind. Speak your case, girl. Well, I mean, I think I'm the one who was right because, because, and going back to the whole, like, just using it as an example, like, it's, time's just a construct, right? <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Nine o'clock, it doesn't, but if I care about the person more than whatever it is, right? Is right. that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. then I would want to, I would want to be kind to him, and I would want to. I don't so know. what do you do when you're right? And Megan says, "Well, I am right." I, yeah, I mean. And I would say, "Well, I am right." Yeah. Starts at I, nine. We get there at nine ten. We're late, right? Are you seeing where this is headed? Are you seeing that this is? A little scripted, okay? If it ever feel, if you ever feel uncomfortable, like we, we know this converse that we had this conversation already. Because it's really happened. <laughs> the reality is, the reality is people, people, whenever you're dealing with this thing, and I think it's why the temptation of Jesus is such a good example of this, because he's being tempted to turn stones into loaves of bread. That's not even a right or wrong kind of thing, right? It's just a question of what is this actually about? What does this really matter here? What what is this conversation 
actually supposed to be about? What is this relationship really about? So I would say, what do you do when you're the one who's right? Well, she's right in her way. I'm right in my way. But if you're right in this argument or in this small thing, whatever it is that's coming up, and you don't want it to wreck your relationship, you just have to determine if being right is worth damaging the relationship. Is being right worth damaging this connection that you have to your best friends, the, the relationship that matters, is, is being right worth it? Because I'm right, we show up to the party late, and we're ticked off at each other all night. Right? From my perspective, I'm right. I was right. I said if we needed, to, if we we're going to be there by 9, we need to leave by 8.45. We didn't leave by 8.45, and we didn't make it by 9. I was right. That's correct. Yeah. And, and I it, feel like I'm right because... We showed up, and it didn't really matter. And nobody was there nobody at 9. Nobody was there at yeah. 9 anyways. Everybody's like, late. Everybody's arguing about this, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it ruined the night. It ruined the night, yeah. It ruins the time together. You see, is, is this connecting? Is this hitting? And I know we're, we're, we're on one thing. We're, we're just talking about this one small thing of time. For us, it was just, it's the thing that's, you know, the wound that is not still open to the extent that we can't talk about it in a way that's actually helpful and that we can't actually see each other's sides of this empathetically, like we're sort of recognizing this. So ask yourself, is being right worth damaging the relationship, damaging the experience, whatever the, the conversation may be? And then, secondly, so what do you do if you're wrong? How do we avoid this temptation if we're wrong? And I, th I think that's the part that's probably a little bit harder for us to spot in ourselves. Well, some of us, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it is for... I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> I'm I, just I kidding. Mean, if there's anybody in the room, by the way, if you don't know us very well, like I'm, I'm pretty sarcastic most of the time. I'm not holding the Bible currently, so I might be messing with you, right? If I'm holding the Bible, then I promise I'm, I'm going to be as truthful as possible. Otherwise, I might just be being sarcastic. And he is, and I know, I know that. So. <laughs> she, I know, because um, I know you're wrong a lot of times. So. Yeah. Um, but when you're actually able to spot those moments and those times in your relationships when you're wrong, what do you do with that? You know, what do you do when you, because nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to be the one to have to back down and say, yeah, you you were right, or yeah, this wasn't worth it. Um, yeah, what do you do, Drew? What do you do? What do you do? Well, I, I've heard the argument. Um, tell them what you said this to me the other day whenever we were, we were talking about this, and you said that you, you've heard oh, yeah, this yeah. argument. Well, that's just the way I am. Because yeah, yeah. um, yeah. I probably, not probably, I've used that before. <laughs> I'm like, it's just, it's just who I am, Drew. You married me. That's who I am. Get over it. <laughs> um, and... She, I don't know, she, I don't. she even used the argument once. She was like, it's a Cushman thing. I was like, well, you yeah. ain't no Cushman no more, right? <laughs> That's her maiden name. My, my family is notoriously late for everything, and she's, I carried that over. But Oh, no, they listen to the podcast sometimes too, don't they? Yeah. It's, it's no big deal, guys. <laughs> Tim, Jody, it's no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> so what do you do when you're wrong? Because that argument's very present and very prevalent. It's like, well, that's just the way I am. Right? That's the, that's the thing. So the question is, what do you do if you're in this argument, you're in this discussion, you're wrong? And so I, I would say, well, I was wrong. I was right from my perspective. And so I also, 
I was wrong. I had to decide to admit that needing to be early and making my wife feel guilty about not being early was actually a major flaw in my character. It was actually a really small thing that slowly through my 20s and, and still really, really working on it in my 30s, realize like that's kind of a really small thing in the broad scope of the arguments that that has caused highlight for me oh yeah that is just an drew that's not you being right and her being wrong that's you having an issue that you don't want to admit you have you, you've ruined enough parties don't you think you've made your wife feel guilty about this enough don't you think you are wrong even though I'm the one who's on time and then, yeah, and then on my side, I, I had to realize that me saying that that's just how I am, that's just who I am, doesn't make Drew feel really special when he is the most important relation, relationship in my life next to God, that he deserves more than I'm always late to the dentist, too. <laughs> you know, like I'm always late. It's not just you. I'm always late to wherever I'm going. But if I value that relationship more than others or just yeah. just value it, I Does guess. Does that make sense? I think that's a that, really great way of putting that because th this, yeah, I'm glad you shared that because that was part of our conversation the other day. She was like, I can remember thinking that. I can remember thinking, well, I'm late to everything. I'm late to the dentist. I'm like, you. well, I'm not the dentist, you know? That's a part of recognize, and I can say like, well, well, I'm I'm with this about the people that I play music with, or the people that I'm like, you be on time, you got to be on. And and she is thinking like, well, I'm not somebody you play music with, right? I'm not somebody. I'm not somebody that Bill's one of my best friends on the planet, by the way. And <laughs> so now you know how he really feels, Bill. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's a, he does. He's got more gear to haul and more people to get ready on the way out. It's a, it's plenty of reasons. His truck is bigger. It's not as aerodynamic. I don't know what. There's plenty of, <laughs> but there's this. You, you understand what we're saying here? This this thing of like admitting that I'm wrong is is sort of, and and you're not gonna like this. Okay, I know. I don't like it either. But but if you value these relationships, we're talking about the relationship that matter the most to us. And if you have any questions, please text them in because we're about to finish what we have to say and we'd like to talk a little bit uh, about some things that maybe come up that are unearthed about this. Um, but I do want us to, let's bounce back just for a second there, Ben. Um, what do you do when you're the one who's wrong? I think the only, now listen, I know, I know, I think you have to be willing to change for the relationship to some extent. And I know how anti, um, what's, the, what's the word that they use in schools all the time about um, caring about me, like I'm the self, self uh, not self-centered, self-worth. Yeah, something to that effect. It's, like, it's, the, it's not a very self-worth thing to say. It was like, well, they should just love me for me. They should just be fine with me for me, right? They should just accept that's who I am. And I would just say, well, to some extent, 
Yes, to some extent. You know, find somebody who loves you anyways, honey boo. Find somebody, right? But at the same time, there is always a line to be drawn, and there are aspects of our character, and there are aspects of ourselves, and there are aspects of our personality, even things that aren't really necessarily wrong that you might have to just say, if I don't change that, I'm going to damage this relationship irreparably. If I don't change that about me, I'm going to mess this thing up over something I could have changed. I'm going to mess this thing that matters the world to me, this relationship that matters so much to me. I'm going to mess it up over something that's kind of like, I mean, being 15 minutes late for the, this is the this is the thing. And I made a joke about this early on that it's kind of like, well, we have two cars. And there's a joke there, right? It's kind of funny, right? We, we ride separate cars to church. I get here at a different time anyways. I have things that I'm doing. But... But listen, when we ride separate cars, that means we're not together. I mean, it works. That's a resolution. That resolves it. But if I am unwilling to change that aspect of me and saying, like, hey, showing up to the party 10 minutes late with this girl right here is worth showing up 10 minutes to the party late. You see what I'm saying? It's just being willing to change, being willing to admit. And, you know, maybe her on the other side being saying, like, you know, being early really matters to him. And so I can work on that eventually we'll get around to that we got other stuff we're working on now eventually she's gonna work on that being early to things right is this is this helpful and I know does that sting a little bit I mean I you know it's part of me is kind of I like people and I like to help people and I like people to feel good about themselves so I don't want it to sting a little bit but at the same time I think it needs to sting just a little bit we need to walk out of here saying like okay this whole conversation isn't about the stuff that they need to fix it's actually almost all about the stuff that I need to assess in my own life and say, where, are, where do I have some small stuff that's threatening really big, important? And, yeah, and I think that's the important thing to remember, too, is, like, small stuff. Like, we're not talking hurtful, damaging relationships that, you know, that kind of thing. It's the things that you can control, that you can, you can take a step back and say, maybe I'm being a little bit selfish yeah. in, in that relationship. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful. So I have a couple of questions that have been texted in if you want to text something else. Um, just so you know, whenever we do questions uh, here at Risen Church, also we have another shirt back there. Uh, the, the one on the right is the one that we're ordering for everybody. Everybody's going to get one of those. Please make sure you write a size in that box. If you need multiple of one size, just write the number in the box. They're going to be free. We don't need to know who put the number. We just kind of wanted to order essentially basically the right number of each. And then the one on the left is the Ask Questions shirt. Uh, we're not ordering a bunch of those right off, but there is a place where you can buy them soon uh, online if you would like to have one. It's no profit to us. It's just like if you like that idea and the little R on it that uh, I think it could be a good question starter, uh, conversation starter for people out in, in the world. But we do questions here, not so that we can answer them. We don't have answers, right? But we try to formulate responses. We do feel like whenever you gather in a room like this, uh, that assuming that we're all on the same page and that we all see it the same way is not healthy. That's not really even something that we can do when we're together that we can't do when we're apart, right? If it was just a matter of like, well, let me just tell you the, the answers to everything, there would be no reason even for us to gather in the same room. I could just podcast that, right? I could just text you all uh, just one-way conversation of this. So we do want some involvement, and, and, man, it really enriches, at its best, really enriches the conversation that we're having, and we're able to tap into things that Megan and I don't see uh, in the week, uh, questions that come up for people. Um, so the first question I got texted into this number <laughs> is, uh, 
Oh, man, it was really good. It was important, too. If your daughter says she can have a milkshake right now, is that true? I think my brother texted that one. Is that true? He just <laughs> he texted. He's staying home with my, my six-year-old daughter. I had a fever in the night and was not feeling well, and so she's, uh, she's homesick, and he texted, uh, can she have a milkshake right now? Let's move on to the next question. If a tree falls in the woods, is Wes still wrong? Yes, uh, and Wes needs to change. <laughs> That's a, appreciate that question there. Wes, you've got to be willing uh, to, to move. You've got to be willing to. Experts say... Pessimistic people are always on time. Optimistic people are always late because they believe they can fit more things into a day. Ooh, talking about this. Let's talk about this. Experts say pessimistic people are always on time. Optimistic people. What's that? What experts are these? That's, that sounds, yeah. That's a, they say. <laughs> Four out of five dentists agree. <laughs> Optimistic people are always late because they have. Megan, do you have anything to speak to this? A lot of times, I've been I've been encouraging here recently people to text in lighthearted questions because we really landed heavy a few weeks in a row, <laughs> and I was like, well, if you ask heavy questions, there's no other way for us to get out of here. So, you have anything to speak to that, Megan? Who's the optimist and who's the pessimist here? I mean, it kind of lands true for us. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't you think I'm the pessimist? Oh, I thought it said the optimists mm. are on time. Pessimistic people are always on time. Oh, oh, oh. Because no, we're rigid. Well, that, that, that was an interesting part of this conversation. Not, not related to the message at all, but how um, when it comes to time, I'm extremely rigid mm-hmm. about things. And then I'm a hippie in every other aspect of life, and she's really rigid about things. It's kind of a I'm messy and sloppy, and, and, uh, and I'm like, money's just a construct, bro. It doesn't even matter. It'll probably be there. It's fine. So what? So what? It's fine. And she's like, no, I don't, there's, there needs to be a certain amount, Drew, or it doesn't work. Um, anybody else have a, do we have any, any real questions to text in? <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to. Uh, other, than, other than the one about Wes being wrong. <laughs> I like that. If a tree falls in the woods, is Wes still wrong? I dig it. He is indeed. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on or add to the conversation today? No? Well, thanks. Thank you, Megan. Thanks for sharing in this today. Yeah, yeah. Um, Here's the thing. Um, Please, if you don't have that number in your phone, please put it in there. Put, uh, call it Risen Ro- Robo Risen. That's that's Risen's robot. Um, it sends us these messages anonymously. I only knew uh, who those two people were that texted because they indicated who they were in the text. Uh, but that's a good way to ask questions, and we get them all week. Uh, this is a good way to communicate with us about pretty much everything. But also, if you have questions about relationships, marriage, friendships. Uh, anything that, that the Bible has to say about certain aspects of this, please text them there. Uh, you may help to inform some of what we address in this message series. This, this doesn't just have to happen in real time during this space. It's kind of an open line of communication for us. Um, keep an eye on social media. This week, uh, we will probably put up uh, two songs on I think tomorrow, actually, we're going to post tomorrow the two songs uh, just to have another fun little battle, keep that conversation going. And again, um, 
just so we're so we're clear on something, and I can share a bit of vision about what's going on uh, with us. When we're on social media as a church, one of the things that really, really matters to us is that we see that as an opportunity to communicate with a world that does not come to our church or that maybe doesn't go to church at all in a way that is less in their face and angry and aggressive and less about shoving things down people's throat and more about just having conversations, even about things that don't matter. Uh, like, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't have conversations online that, about things that do matter. I'm just saying it's not super helpful. Uh, but what is maybe a little bit helpful is us, you know, participating as a church in voting for our favorite love songs uh, and saying, like, our church is doing that on Sunday morning. I think it does open people up a little bit. It does make, um, Megan and I were asked yesterday uh, by a couple of friends, people that, people that I've never actually invited to Risen Church, but I play some music with, and there is a friend of mine, and, and uh, they were asking about Risen because they had seen some things that we had posted and seen our, our uh, announcement videos and just recognizing that, like, we're trying to, we're trying to have a different voice uh, in that sphere. So any way that you can help us out in that, sharing our content is super useful. And if you ever feel like, Drew, why isn't it all scripture? Why aren't we taking political stands? Why aren't we, you know, posting angry memes and things like that? And I'm just like, well, I don't know. You can do that if you want to. But as far as the Church of the Risen Jesus is concerned, we kind of see that as a better platform for just connecting with people uh, at a lighthearted level, maybe brightening your day a little bit, maybe just remembering that we can be friends, maybe just remembering that there's plenty of things that we disagree about and that we're probably not going to change each other's minds there anyways. Um, but we can, so please participate with us that on that stuff and help us to share. Uh, and I think the video that we're going to, the vlog video, Megan and I are going to sit down and, and video a couple of portions of this message and put that out and you can help us share that through our YouTube channel too. Any of that stuff is, is really helpful and useful. And like I said, the point for us is we want people to discover a better life with Jesus and, uh, and we want people to discover that there's joy to be found in this community, that there's, that there's people who will accept, there's grace, there's mercy, uh, there, there's actual love here. And so, uh, so help us out with that. Good? Any final words on things? Um, well, I want to pray over you, and I, and I want to pray particularly for your, your most important relationships. If you happen to be sitting next to someone that you would consider to be a highly valued relationship, take their hand, put your arm around them. Um, if they're not in the room, you can pray with them later. You can tell them we prayed. Uh, we can tell them we prayed for them. But let's, let's pause for just a moment here. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for friendship and, um, and communion. God, it's the first thing that the scriptures ever say wasn't good was when someone was alone. The first thing, you made everything and said it was good, and you made everything beautiful and full of grace and full of love, and then you made us, and you saw that it wasn't fit for us to be alone. Father, I'm thankful for companionship. I'm thankful for the relationships in my life that matter the most to me. I'm thankful that you are teaching me to let the circle grow. I'm teaching you, I'm thankful that you're teaching me to, the things that maybe need to change in me in order to strengthen my most important and most significant relationships. And then, and then also that you're teaching me the ways that I can open myself up to have more of those really significant relationships that you're teaching me that life really is better with company. 
that life really is richer and fuller and, and better whenever we let people in. And so I pray that we would all be more and more in, increasingly open to that in our lives. I pray that you would repair and reconcile um, broken aspects maybe of relationships that are, that are represented in this room. Maybe there are things that we are sort of working on, and we're all working on something, but maybe there's some really big stuff that needs dealt with, and maybe a lighthearted conversation like this could actually, in fact, lead into a big conversation that could change things for the good, that could change really significant things, and that, that joy could be rediscovered, that, that passion could be rediscovered, that, um, that genuine care for each other could be rediscovered, that selfishness would, would begin to just fall off like scales, that all of us would recognize the areas of our life where I just want that because I just want that, and, and that we would begin to say, I value these relationships more than I value those aspects of my personality that, that may be flaws. God, I pray that you would strengthen our marriages, strengthen our families, strengthen our mother to daughter, mother to son, father to son, father to daughter. Strengthen those relationships. Strengthen our best friend relationships. God, and, and continue to, to grow our church, continue to use the things that we're doing to really speak your love to people. I believe people desire to experience your grace in ways they've never experienced it before. I believe there are people out there right now who just long to be loved by you, and they may not even know that's what they need. They may not even be able to articulate it in that way and use us to do it, God. Let us be a catalyst for that kind of change in their lives, that kind of extending that kind of invitation to them. We love you, Father. We give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.